0: Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. Today, uh, rather than doing the Torah portion, we're going to actually look at the prophets portion uh, for this week. And uh, if you're new to that term, uh, here in a minute I'll explain what that is. Uh, But just real quick, there's an article up at the website, uh, scriptureandprophecy.com, where all this is laid out as well. And if I can remember, I'll try to make it Uh, sticky towards the top for you so you can find it easily. You know, I'm, man, I tell you, I'm, I'm definitely concerned with the direction of this generation. You know, when I started this podcast in 2014, which was really branching off from other podcasts that I had started a year or two before that. Uh, so really nine years technically, but seven years or more, a little over seven years actually uh preaching the gospel through the podcast. But when I started it, I thought things were really headed downhill, and I was very concerned about the direction that society was headed, but in all honesty, I never fathomed that we would get to this place of lunacy never fathomed that the whole world would go after some of these perversions and some of these delusions and that people would be so out of touch with reality and reject natural biology and just completely go off the rails I mean I can really only speak To the nation I live in, which is the United States of America. But really, when I from what I can see, observing it, observing the rest of the world, it's not just here, it's really most places, and many places are even worse than it is here. But this place, while still filled with many good things, many good things, is quickly Many many areas here are becoming a habitation of devils. The hold of every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hateful bird. It's really becoming an abomination and quickly. At a level, honestly, I never foresaw when I started this seven, eight years ago. And I think it's because I could have never imagined a society still functioning in any way, shape, or form with the mindset, and the delusions, and the perversions, and the weird things going on, like, I would have never imagined that society could even function, much less survive, so it was impossible to imagine getting to the place where we're at, because who could think that we could still even stand being where we're at, except to be the grace of God, who I think is abundant in mercy and grace for the sake of his remnant and for the sake of the church. It's it's mind-boggling. There is example, there isn't, the, you know, I want to go to 1 Samuel real quick before we start with the prophet's portion. But in 1 Samuel you have Israel who's gone off the rails. And they're serving foreign gods and they've just completely abandoned the Lord. And here's what Samuel speaks in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 3. He says, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then remove the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from you, and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone, and he will save you from the hand of the Philistines. So the sons of Israel removed the Baals and the Ashtaroth and served the Lord alone. You see, there's only two options on the table. One, complete and utter collapse of, of society. And the rest of the world doesn't want to hear this, but it's just the reality of the situation If the United States falls economically or any of those things it's going to be the biggest domino effect that's ever happened because so much is pegged to the dollar so many economies are dependent on it no matter where you are in the world you will be devastatedly impacted by something like that the only hope is for Oh, let me get back. Two options. Complete collapse and annihilation of society. Which seems to be on the table. I mean, I don't know how it goes anywhere else. Or, and I do believe this is a real possibility. Or the greatest revival. The greatest return to the Lord. The greatest movement towards holiness that the world has ever seen these are the only two options at this point there's no amount of political nonsense that can take place that's going to solve this problem there's no if the foundations be destroyed as the proverbs say what can the righteous do and we are living in a time when the foundations have just been shattered To the point where delusion is now promoted and accepted. And reality is now rejected and hated. So these are our options. And this is one of the reasons I do this podcast is because I'm trying to do my part. The attitude of some Christians, especially those who hold a dispensational view of scripture and of eschatology... Their viewpoint is to just hide in the corner, just wait it out. But I believe that we are to occupy till he comes, that we are to care for the vineyard until the master returns, and to be busy about our father's business. That's what we should be doing. And what is the father's business? What is it that we're all called to do? To make disciples of all the nations that's the great commission to share the good news of jesus christ and to do all we can to further the kingdom of god here on earth until he returns and takes ownership back of the vineyard so he he is the vineyard master he's left his servants in charge to care for it and to take for it as the parable talks about and one day he's going to return to see how things are going But our job in the meantime is to care for the vineyard, not to hide in the corner, not to, not to throw our hands up and say it's a lost cause, but to continue the work. And so that's why I do the podcast and I'm praying that it goes forth and that it's co- I'm praying that I will witness the greatest revival the world has ever seen, but that's what it's going to take at this point. And Christians are going to have to get on and start getting on their faces. You know, Peter warns us that Sodom and Gomorrah is an example. Like, that overthrow is an example to the rest of the world. Of what can happen if you walk in that manner. Let me just give you the actual text. War of God spared not the angels that sinned, which I believe is a direct... Reference to Genesis chapter 6 because he's going to directly refer to the flood. For if God spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world but saved Noah the eighth person a preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that should after live ungodly. Here's the good news, verse 9. Well, actually, let's just read 7, eight, 9. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy, filthy conversation of the wicked for that man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds the Lord know how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished so he knows how to preserve the godly and to reserve those who are due the judgment and we can rest in that, we can take confidence in that let me read you um, that same verse but from a different version the NSAB then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from a trial and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt passions and despise authority So with that little backdrop and rant, let's look at this week's Prophets portion. Uh, But real quick, let me give you the rundown on what it is in case you're new to that term. Here's what the weekly Prophets portion is. Again, this is up on my website. The weekly Prophets portion, or in Hebrew, the Haftorah, which means parting or taking leave, is a scheduled reading from the Biblical books of the Prophets, which follow along with the weekly Torah portion reading schedule. The Torah portion schedule has been followed by synagogues around the world since the Babylonian captivity of the Hebrews, or maybe even longer. Some suggest the tradition was started by the scribe Ezra. It is unknown why the tradition of the weekly prophets portion was instituted, but... Many believe the Haftorah was a response to Jewish persecution in which the weekly Torah portion readings were forbidden. It is also unknown how these portions were selected. There are some who suggest the selection was random and others who believe they were intentionally selected to correspond with the week's scheduled Torah portion. So the prophet's portion for this week is actually out of the book of Jeremiah. Now what was Jeremiah up against? He was up against an ungodly Israel who was getting ready to get judged horribly by Babylonian captivity and whatnot. He's known as the weeping prophet, right? Jeremiah seven twenty-one through eight three, it's not a very long portion, and it also picks up uh two verses from chapter nine. So let's have a look and uh let's read the prophet's portion for this week. Jeremiah Starting with verse 21 in chapter 7. Here's what it says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat the flesh. I'm sorry. Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat the flesh. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers Or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices, but this command I gave them. Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the way that I command you, that it might be well with you. But they did not obey, or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts, and went backwards and not forwards. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. So you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. And you shall say to them, this is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord, their God, and did not accept discipline. Truth has perished. It is cut off from their lips. Let's stop there for just a second. He's saying, I I gave you all you needed to know to... For things to be well with you. It's very simple. Just obey my voice. And I'll be your God and you'll be my people. Do do what I commanded you to do and it'll be fine. But instead of listening to me, the creator of the universe, you decided to make up your own rules. And as a result, you've fallen backwards and you're not moving forwards. You're actually worse than your fathers. Like your fathers were bad, but you guys are really bad. I can't help but look at our culture today. And I go, you know what? It was pretty bad, I guess, when I was a kid, if you're comparing it to the holiness of God, right? It was bad. But it's it was nothing compared to the ridiculousness that is society today. He's telling Jeremiah, you know, speak them speak to these words to him, but they're not gonna listen. They're not going to obey. They're not going to listen. They're just going to keep doing what they're doing. I've sent people to them over and over and over. They refuse. They refuse discipline. I mean, the last couple of years, God's allowed some pretty challenging things to develop worldwide, has he? Has anybody... Has the world turned back to the church? No. What did it do? It fell on its face and said, we're going to worship science. I'm not even going to get into it, but the things that they were speaking... That's supposed to be science wasn't scientific at all. It was nonsense, and yet that's what the world did. It's stiff-necked, not interested in the things of God. Listen, I talk. I talked about how the world has gone to a place of delusion. It's rejecting reality and facts. He says, This is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God. Now, this is talking about Israel, but we're, re- we're trying to relate to the text based on where we are today. This is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God. They did not accept the discipline. Truth has perished. It is cut off from their lips. We live in a time when truth has perished, hasn't it? It's been annihilated and replaced With absurdities. This might be the dumbest. Most deceived. Most delusional and out of touch with reality generation. That's ever lived. I honestly think that's what we're witnessing right now. Which is ripe for one of two things. The greatest judgment the world has ever seen. Or the greatest revival the world has ever seen. I believe either is possible. Verse 29. Cut off your hair and cast it away. Raise a lamentation on the Bar Heights, for the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. The generation of his wrath. Again. We really have a choice world can return to the Lord and he will miraculously find a solution to all these things that are just seem impossible. He'll miraculously provide a solution if we would just turn to him and prayer and fasting and weeping, or we're going to become the generation of his wrath. Verse thirty: For the sons of Judah have done evil in my sight, declares the Lord. Let's listen to the things that they have done. They have set their detestable things in the house that is called by my name to defile it. They have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my mind. Let's stop there. You see, they were sacrificing their children to false gods. Setting babies on altars and the baby would just fry like an egg. And before we go, how could Israel become so evil, so disgusting that they would do that? Let's not forget about the slaughterhouses known as the abortion clinics all over the world today. God says, I never commanded you to do this evil, wicked thing. In fact, it never was a thought of mine. It never came into my mind, he says. Verse 32, therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no more be called Topheth, or the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, but the Valley of Slaughter. For they were buried in Topheth, because there is no room elsewhere. And the dead bodies of his people will be food for the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth, and none will frighten them away. And I will silence in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the voice of the mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall become a waste. By the way, that sounds really familiar, doesn't it? It's Right out of what's in Revelation 18, talking about Babylon. At that time, declares the Lord, the bones of the kings of Judah and the bones of its officials, the bones of the priests and the bones of the prophets and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be brought out of their tombs and they shall be spread before the sun and the moon and all the hosts of heaven which they have loved and served, which they have gone after and which they have sought and worshipped. And they shall not be gathered or buried. It shall be as dung on the surface of the ground death shall be preferred to life by all the remnant that remains of this evil family and all the places where I've driven them declares the Lord of hosts it appears to me that God is saying when the wrath comes on Israel for what they've done those who aren't killed in this mass they're going to wish they would have been Of course, we know the story, right? They go into captivity. There's, it's bloodshed everywhere. It's a terrible situation. That's why Jeremiah is known as the Weeping Prophet. He loves his nation. He loves his people, but he knows what's coming. And then at one point, he's walking through the streets of Jerusalem after this has happened. Just in grief, mourning. Can't believe his eyes. The people were stiff-necked. Never thought anything like this could happen. Last two verses, they come from Jeremiah 9. Verse 22 and 23 says, Speak, thus declares the Lord. The dead bodies of men shall fall like dung upon the field, like sheaves after the reaper, and none shall gather them. Thus says the Lord. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, Let not the mighty man boast in his might, and let not the rich man boast in his riches. In other words, if the wrath of God comes, nothing can save you, except for, like what Peter says, the godly, he knows how to preserve, right? But everyone else, it doesn't matter how wise you are, that's not going to save you. It doesn't matter how mighty and strong you are That's not gonna, it doesn't matter how rich you are that's not going to save you I don't know about you I'm going to keep praying and hoping and believing for revival and doing my part as I can but in the event that they will not listen and that the only thing left Is judgment. I want to be on the right side of that. I want to be the remnant, part of the remnant, the godly. Those whom the Lord knows how to rescue from the trial. And what does it say? Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from a trial and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. I want to be busy working in the vineyard. I don't want to be like the servant who says in his heart, my master has delayed his coming, and he goes out and he starts drinking with the drunkards and beating the male servants, and then the master returns at a time that he thinks not, and then his portion is with the unbelievers. That servant said, okay, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm just going to party. I'm just going to have fun. It doesn't look like the Lord's actually going to be coming back. And then he comes back, and it's unexpected, and he has returned to his filth, returned to his sin. Peter addresses this also in the exact same chapter. So if we just scroll down, this by the way, this is Second Peter chapter 2, where this is found. If we scroll down to the bottom, starting with verse 24, For if they had escaped the defilements of the world... By the knowledge of the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. They are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse than the first. So in other words, let's say I'm involved in the filthy things of this world. But then I come to the knowledge of Jesus and I come out of those things. But then I return to those things. Peter saying the condition that I am in after I return to those evil things is way worse than before I even knew Jesus, right? Think of like a person who has an addiction. They they have a poor addiction, it's destroying their life, they get help, they come out of the addiction, but then one day they return to the addiction, except they go in way harder than they were to begin with. They're they're worse off now. That's what it's saying. Verse twenty one, for it would be better for them to have not known the way of righteous than have known it to turn away from the holy command it handed out of them. Peter's saying they would have been better off to not even know the truth than to be in the filthiness of the world, come to Jesus, and then return worse into the world than they were. And then he quotes the proverb to end it. Verse 22. It has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its vomit, and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. That's the podcast for this morning, friends. I know it's a little downcast. There's still lots of reasons to have hope and to be optimistic, but it's going to require that the church get real serious, real fast. And that people start putting their hands to the plow and doing the work of the kingdom, instead of twiddling their thumbs, instead of hiding away, with their beans in a bunker there's only one way out and that's through Jesus Christ the culture has to return to Jesus by and large there needs to be a great and massive revival and the only way that comes is if God's people God's remnant gets on their faces and starts pleading and begging for it but if we're just like meh we just throwing our hands up then we're going to be like Jeremiah, who walked through the streets of Jerusalem weeping after the city had been burned and the people had been ravaged and destroyed. Seriously. Let us return to the Lord with great vigor and with great intensity. We need to get serious. The church has to get serious real quick. That's all I have for you this morning, friends. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.